Let's hit it. Give me a vacation. Vacation. Give me a wave. Surfing. Give me a city tour. The trolley. Give me animals. The zoo. Give me some sea life. <laughs> Give me museums. Park. Give me a woo. What's that spell? San Diego. If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your family vacation at san diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. Bean Dad, The Dress, 30 to 50 Feral Hogs. If you knew what any of those were, you spend too much time online. And hey, I do too. 16th Minute of Fame is a new weekly podcast hosted by me, Jamie Loftus. And every week we take a closer look at an internet character of the day. Who are they? What made them so notorious? How did the internet or the algorithm choose them? And what does a person do when they're suddenly confronted with more attention than the human psyche can handle? Listen to 16th Minute of Fame on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your hosts of TMI. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. Listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. It's Two Dudes in a Kitchen with Tyler Florence and Wells Adams, an iHeartRadio podcast. All right, guys, I hope you're hungry. It's time for another episode of Two Dudes in a Kitchen. I'm Wells Adams alongside Tyler Florence, and I am back from Mexico, baby. Yeah, man. Welcome home, buddy. So you guys wrapped up the entire season, huh? Whole season's done, which is crazy. We did it in like three and a half weeks. And I got to say, I'm very excited for everyone to watch Bachelor in Paradise 9. Um, there's love. There's drama. There's tears. <laughs> there's crabs. Are yeah. there engagements? Maybe. We'll see. There's boom, boom, rooming. Uh, everything that you need, including my uh, bad margaritas and and good advice. So it's going to be a... It's going to be a fun, hot and steamy season. I think that this is this season has the most uh, attractive people that we've ever had, which is saying something because they're always very attractive. Oh, right on, man. So when does that season air? October. We used to air in the summer because it was sure. a summer show. But, um, you know, ABC thought, you know, it would be great. Let's put our biggest show up against football because no one watches that. No one watches Monday Night Football. Right, right. Well, uh, speaking of summer shows, the great food truck race is out and about right now. Um, season 16. We've been shooting that show for 14 years. And uh, mm-hmm. episode two um, aired uh, last week. And as a matter of fact, so much drama in, in, in Los Angeles happening every single episode. Uh, we are down to... Um, seven teams right now have lost two already, and it's pros versus rookies with a chance at $50,000. Uh, so that's Sunday nights at 8, 7 Central on Food Network, also Discovery Plus app, and also stream on HBO Max. So all kinds of good stuff. Very cool. Well, speaking yeah. of television shows, um, I have one on Hulu called Best in Dough, and it was a pizza cooking competition. And... um. I host it, and then we have kind of like a myriad of judges, and one of those judges is Brian Ford, who is our guest today. Uh, Brian is 
awesome. One of my favorite people I've ever gotten to make a television show with. He's an award-winning uh, bread baker with Honduran roots. Uh, and he also comes from New Orleans. So like, just think of like all of those tastes and flavors meandering together in his noodle. Brian's a host of uh, Magnolia Network's Baked In Tradition, the, um, the Artisan's Kitchen, as well as a guest judge, of course, on Best in Dough. And he also uh, stars in Netflix's Waffles and Mochi. He's the author of a new cookbook. His new podcast is coming out very, very soon. Actually, Sarah and I are on it. This guy is awesome. He's one of the best bakers in the world. This is going to be a fun episode. You're on the uh, Flaky Biscuit podcast? I'm yeah. trying to get on the Flaky Biscuit podcast. Well, we ended up just getting drunk with <laughs> because he, he came into our house. Uh, him and his wife, who also serves as, I think, his producer, came into our house and they cooked for us. And I was like, well, we should have some wine. And then all of a sudden, one bottle turned into two. And then, um, yeah, we ended up partying all night. So it was a lot of fun. Uh, and you guys recorded that? That was the podcast or, or that was separate? That always makes a good podcast, by the way. Oh, it, I haven't heard it, but we are definitely drinking on the podcast. So we'll see how it goes. <laughs> okay. Well, fingers crossed, man. But yeah, I, I'm looking forward to talking to him too, man. He's a he's a great uh, baker. He's a great like evangelist for like all things bread. I've never met the guy before, uh, but I've heard lots about him. Um, his books are beautiful. Uh, so I think this is going to be a great conversation. Yeah. Quick break. We come back on Two Dudes in the Kitchen, the uh, very multi-talented Brian Ford right here. Stick around. Bean Dad, The Dress, 30 to 50 Feral Hogs. If you knew what any of those were, you spend too much time online. And hey, I do too. 16th Minute of Fame is a new weekly podcast hosted by me, Jamie Loftus, where every week I take a closer look at an internet character of the day. Who were they? What made them so notorious? Why did the internet choose them? And what does a person do when they're suddenly confronted with more attention than the human psyche can handle? I'll be talking to internet historians, experts, and yes, the main characters themselves to get a fuller picture. Because I think that even outside individual experiences, a character of the day tells us something about how the internet worked at that time and how the attention economy developed into the freaky three-headed dragon it is today. Together, we probably won't be able to properly log out, but we can take a walk down scary internet memory lane and see one day a little more clearly. Listen to 16th Minute of Fame on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. writer and notorious Scott Summers hater, Rosie Knight. Well, hello, Emmy-winning podcaster and totally unbiased Targaryen royal supporter, Jason Concepcion. Rosie, somehow the X-Ray Vision podcast has returned. It feels so good. It does. And like always, we'll be here every week covering the wide world of TV, movies, comics, and geek culture. That's right. We'll be talking about Batman, heroes of that stature, and of course... We'll be inviting our friends in the industry to come geek out with us and share stories. We'll hear from TV writers, from actors, comics creators, pop culture critics, and more. Nothing is off the table because geek culture is pop culture. And we can't wait to share our love of it all with you every single week. Listen to X-Ray Vision on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleha Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. 
In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, welcome back to Two Dudes in a Kitchen. We now are three dudes in a kitchen. Uh, my good friend, the guy who I made a TV show with, I've been on his podcast. I'm so happy to have him on uh, ours. It is the one, the only, the best baker I've ever met, Brian Ford. Welcome on the show, my man. Oh, thank you very much for the intro. I appreciate it. And thank you both for uh, making time for me in your kitchen. Absolutely, man. Um I'm just reminded of the time of which uh, you came into uh, my house, you cooked for us, <laughs> and then um, we got drunk on wine for your podcast, uh, the Flaky Biscuit Podcast. Do you have any recollection of that day, or is it also just a blur? Um, there are parts that are definitely blurring. Uh, <laughs> I remember the I remember golf in your garage on yeah. your uh, on your with my terrible golf swing, but. Uh, no, nah, that was an amazing time. I appreciated uh, both you and Sarah making time for Flaky Biscuit, and I'm glad that the your your couple's nostalgic meal seemed to be a success. I, actually, no, I think the shrimp sucked, but I can't, t- I couldn't taste it, so I have no idea. But I'm, because <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm allergic. Uh, but I'm, yeah, no, that was uh, that was one of the most memorable nights uh, Bridget and I have ever had. Memorable, but also not because I think we maybe were over, we overserved ourselves. There's a little bit of blank tape at the end of that. Yeah, there is. All right. <laughs> yeah. So, Brian, tell us about the Flaky Biscuit podcast. Mm. Well, uh, Flaky Biscuit is um, uh, it's a podcast Bridget and I uh, created through our production company, Flaky Biscuit Media. And we've uh, been fortunate enough for uh, Shondaland Audio and iHeart to um, pick it up and produce it with us. And, uh, you know, we've been very thankful it's essentially a show where inspired, you know, guests that inspire me um, uh, for various reasons are brought on and I cook for them their most nostalgic meal or bake for them. Um, and, you know, you'd be surprised. I think the most fun part about this show is finding out what people's most nostalgic meal is. I mean, you might have an A-list actor or a sommelier uh, and you might think their nostalgic meal would be something, you know, of a high level or something nuanced, but it's could be from a vending machine, you know, it could be a, a, you know, a Twinkie, a honey bun, you know, and finding that out and trying to recreate that meal for them is very fun. We provide a recipe for the listeners. I serve this meal to the guest. And from there, we figure out if I could achieve the Proust effect uh, with them, which is um, basically a sensation where they're brought back to a moment through sensory elements, smell, taste. Um, sometimes I get it right. Sometimes I get it wrong, but that it always, it always leads to conversations that are kind of profound and deep. And, uh, you know, we talk about how 
they are making change in their community and uh you know it's it's just it's just a lot of fun uh and it does it does get flaky from time to time now <laughs> have you seen ratatouille of course right yes yep absolutely so that moment where Antoine Ego, who's the um, the antagonist in the film, and he's the uh, local French uh, restaurant reviewer, he challenges uh, Remy the Rat um, mm-hmm. and Linguini. Like he walks in and goes, "Give me your best shot." And then so Remy makes ratatouille, right, and it gets served. And then he puts that spoon in his mouth, and he drops his pen, and it goes into his mind's eye. And then he he's a little boy with yeah. a skinned knee and his mom's making him ratatouille. And then he comes back out and he's crying because it's so good. That's how important food memories can be. Yeah. No, 100%. I actually love how yeah. vividly you just uh, kind of... It's, it's been a while since I've seen Ratatouille. So now I'm like, oh, yeah, that movie was really dope. Um, but, but honestly, when you really think about food memory, it's one of the... It, Food, food is something that every single day, uh, most, if not all people are waking up thinking about. It's, 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 you know, it's almost people say, what do they say? Uh, you pay taxes and you die. I think food, thinking about food is also on that list of things that everyone does. Uh, and, and, and when you, when you talk about nostalgia and rekindle memories, using food as that vehicle, um, it's, it's just something that you can't really uh, do with anything else. I love the fact that like we've got podcasts to talk about food because I think that you, you just get so overwhelmed with like politics and like whatever like fear is going on in the world. And I always feel like every time I go to Europe, I, we either go to France or, or go to Italy uh, once a year. And the conversation is always about food. Like they yeah. wake up in the morning and they talk about the boulangerie or the patisserie yeah. or or they think about what they have for lunch. They talk about the great restaurants or and there's 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 a, a, a culture behind that that I think is a in my opinion a, a higher level of of you know civilization. You know, <laughs> so I I miss you know what I mean because I, I do like because because like this is what what connects everybody. I think you know having that conversation like what is that really great bite of food or what are you cooking tonight or where are we going for dinner that's yeah. kind of i know that's all you know wells and i talk about i mean i mean and wells i, I know you're you're eager to jump in i just want to i want to touch it on that point very briefly um i know you, you know you spoke about europe i'm I've, i'm from new orleans i was raised in the south and i think uh you know as a as a as a black person in the south like things can be interesting i'll say uh for the sake of this conversation but you know, food is has always been one of those things that, you know, I might look at someone and 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 I'm like, mm, I don't know if this person really likes me or I don't know if I belong here. I don't know. I don't know if this person, you know, is accepting of me being here, but but we'll have a meal together mm-hmm. and nothing else really matters after like no one's, you know, at the end of the day, face to face with someone I, I encounter that maybe there's a conflict of views or a conflict of of lifestyle or whatever food fried catfish bro let me tell you how many times i throw down some some fried catfish with some with some old boys you know what i'm saying that i'm like oh man i don't know if they really play with me but we about to throw down this catfish so <laughs> it don't matter <laughs> you know it's all good yeah it's all good man i love that what i wanted to ask was if you were having yourself on your show what would you be making because you know you have this really kind of cool background you're Honduran, but you grew up in New Orleans, and I can't imagine like a more interesting 
mix and amalgamation of flavors that went into your upbringing. So like, what's the thing that would bring you back to the beginning? Yeah, man. Thank that. That's a beautiful question, Wells, because at the end of the day, it was a beautiful mix of, of culture and of, uh, you know, being one of the, uh, you know, in New Orleans, there are a lot of Hondurans in certain areas. I happen to actually go to high school, like on the North shore, which is a city called Slidell. Uh, so a little more suburban. So, you know, where I really went to school, um, obviously there were white people, black people, a few Hispanics, you know, kind of sprinkled in maybe a couple Mexican cats. But, you know, a black Honduran was very like strange. People people didn't really know how to comprehend what I was. Uh, so it was always interesting to bring my lunch to school uh, when I had the chance to do that. And I would bring, you know, Honduran staples, uh, you know, a baleada is what my mom makes. Um, and it's a sense that this, this, and this is the meal. Well, you know, a baleada is the national dish of Honduras. It's undeniably runs in our veins, in our DNA. It's a uh, flour tortilla. All right. My mom makes it with coconut milk in the, in the tortilla masa. And it's got, wow. yeah, it's, uh, I don't her, think I've ever heard of that. Her tortillas can never be re replicated ever. And I've tried, even I even I had my mom on an episode of my show, Baked in Tradition, and I was doing the tortillas and she's just looking at me like, what are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't know, man. I like I'm like 34 years old and I'm a professional baker and I swear I know how to knead dough. And she just like when she gets in, the dough changes, man, it changes. Uh, it's you know, it's cooked on a hot uh, comal or cast iron. And then it's it's filled with masterful beans that are seasoned with uh, cumin. Uh, more, a little more coconut milk, some fat like butter, potentially vegetable oil, depending on, you know, what we had the, the money for, uh, a little salt and pepper. And that's refried like red beans, refried really, really nice. Uh, and then crema, Honduran cream. Uh, when we didn't have money to get the real crema, my mom would use like daisy sour cream and she would microwave it with butter and salt. And then when it cooled down, she would chill it in the freezer, pull it out. And you had this beautiful like makeshift crema so that like as i'm saying like sure. I, no no one could ever make this because it's like she just made it uh and of course uh hard crumbled hunter and cheese which is has a very distinct very kind of uh very potent powerful salty uh flavor uh so that baleada right there uh is a is a meal that i will take to the grave with me and i i just you know, that's the reason why I'm a baker, watching my mom need those tortillas, make them for me. Um, yeah. Uh, and, and then, you know, just to hit on what you said about uh, that, you said what amalgamation. It's a crazy ass word. But, um, you know, I would go to school sometimes and have jambalaya for for lunch and come home and eat arroz con pollo. You know, I'd go have red beans and rice with alligator sausage at lunch, come home and have chuleta frita with with platanos. So I was I was double dipping in excellent food flavors uh in my upbringing for sure. So like what do you like doing better? You like baking or cooking more? Uh baking for I mean, well, you just asked, so you asked what do I like doing better? <laughs> At this point, you know, I'm sure you, I'm sure you both know when you get kind of overworked and you don't want to do either of them. <laughs> Right. Like, but no but uh, you know in all seriousness i do love to cook i'm i'm by no means um you're not gonna come over if i'm cooking you're not gonna get like you know some some crazy sauce and foams and emulsions and all whatever man i'm I'm pretty straightforward i love to grill 
I have a grill in my backyard, man. I love to grill chicken thighs. I love to use make a little barbecue sauce. I love to make veggies and rice. I love to cook for sure. Uh, baking has provided a career for me and it's very therapeutic. Um, and I do love to bake for other people because when you bring bread somewhere, when you show up with bread, it is like, honestly, I, hot tip, guys, just show up with bread. You know, if you, if you don't know what to get someone, bake some random ratty loaf of bread. People will love it, dude. Doesn't matter what it looks like. Doesn't matter what it tastes like. If you show up with bread that you made with your own two hands, you will be the star of the show. So bread, you know, bread just has that power because of how, uh, where it, the, you know, from Africa or the Middle East, the Fertile Crescent, bread is one of the most staple things ever to sustain humanity. So, so people love bread, man. So just, you know, you piss off your wife, bake her a loaf of bread. I guarantee you, I guarantee you, she's going to be like, all right, this man, man, he made me a whole loaf of bread. So yeah. We're good. Yeah. All right, well then let's go oh, through God. it. How do we make... It's like someone like me who like doesn't bake. What's the easiest way to make some bread for a dinner party I'm going to? Oh yeah, let, let, let's say right now, uh, y'all, you're in LA, Wells, right? Uh, yeah. You know, it's what uh, eleven o'clock over there or something, twelve o'clock. Yeah. Somebody hit you up right now and say, "Yo, can you come to this party at six o'clock, bro? And can you bring something?" This is what you would do. All right, you would go get some white flour, some yeast, whatever. You probably have it in your cabinet. All-purpose flour is fine. It doesn't matter. Uh, instant yeast, active dry yeast, fresh yeast, whatever. Forget sourdough, forget pre-ferments. You know, that's, you don't need to worry about that to make a loaf of bread. And you would mix flour with water. You know, let it kind of sit for a little bit in a bowl for 20 minutes just so the gluten can develop. Add your yeast and salt at the same time with some more water. Squeeze it with your fingers. Just squeeze it up. And then I think this next step is very important for beginners because if you don't do it, it becomes kind of, uh, it becomes messy. So transfer your dough to an oiled, a, a new oiled bowl. All right. So when, when all your ingredients, your flour, water, salt, and yeast are mixed and you got some kind of whatever, you know, don't even, you don't even have to weigh it, man. Just make sure it's not soupy, you know, just make sure it's not soupy. Just, just mix it together. If you don't transfer it to another bowl, you're going to get a lot of dry dough particles that kind of form and like fall into your dough and it can be discouraging. Just put it into a new bowl that has a little bit of olive oil or whatever, butter, canola oil. Let it rise two hours, three hours, shape it into a cylinder, put it into a loaf pan and bake it. <laughs> That's really it. It's, it's it, you know, or or make a tortilla, make flatbread, make a manouche. You know, make uh, a lot of people know focaccia or pizza, whatever, like just, you know, make that dough, flatten it out and bake it, bake it on a sheet pan, put olive oil and salt mm -hmm. on it and, 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 you know, and then take it out when it's golden brown. It, it, it really is that simple. I always screw it up. It, my, <laughs> my dough always seems like really, really dense in the middle, like not like full of air pockets and uh, fluffiness. And I don't know. Mm -hmm what I'm doing wrong. I'm not, I'm not sure if I'm using like every time I look up a recipe, it always says use like baker's flour, but I can never find that in the grocery store. Uh -huh, uh -huh. So I'm like, is that just normal flour? I, I'm doing something wrong. Yeah. I mean, you, you may, you may or may not be doing something wrong. That's look, I, I know I'm saying it's easy. It doesn't mean that there's uh, you know, no room for error. Of course, uh, if it doesn't rise enough at a certain point, if it's not bouncy enough, 
before it goes in the oven, it, it might come out dense or underbaked in the middle. Uh, one thing I've learned to use is a thermometer. Uh, the first time I ever ran a bakery, I had this big challah order. And like I made challah, I make a pretty decent challah, but like I never really made it to order. And challah, though, because of the way it's uh, what's in the dough and the way it's egg wash, it, it has a nice, beautiful brown color. It gets dark very quickly. So I was like, man, how do I know this is ready? <laughs> Which, like, you know, I'm like in a bakery running it and I'm like, is it ready? So, you know, you can, you stick your your thermometer in there. And that's a good way to avoid that gummy middle because, uh, you know, for an enriched bread, you want to look for, I think, like 190 degrees Fahrenheit. And once you see that, you can just you can throw your hands up and say, I at least I know it's baked. At least I know it's cooked in the middle. Um, in terms of it being too dense or gummy, that's probably just not letting it proof long enough. So when it's shaped, just let it if you shape it into a loaf tin. Let it proof to where like the top is popping out of that loaf tin. That's a that's a surefire way to say, hey, that loaf is ready to go into the oven. If you know, if it's not even if it's not even peeking up out the loaf tin, you might want to let it sit in a warm environment for a little longer. Mm -hmm. Now, my wife during the pandemic started crushing sourdough bread like everybody else, and actually she got really good at it. She's got a nice little circle of friends. They all sort of share notes on on sourdough. She's got three different variations of sourdough, or sort of starter that are kind of like bubbling away on her kitchen counter. Now, I, I've worked in a lot of Italian restaurants growing up, uh, and and focaccia was always something that that we made, and, and pizza dough, of course. Worked in a lot of pizza places, um, so um, like dry active yeast or baker's yeast, I think is fantastic. So oh, yeah. I, 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 and obviously, you know, because I can make a loaf of bread in you know, say three hours or so. Where my wife, when she makes a sourdough loaf of bread, because of of how long it takes sourdough uh, uh, yeast to to rise. Um, and with the bread, like it, it'll, it'll take, it'll, she'll start in the morning and it's barely done by dinner. Right, so it takes a really, really long time. I think a couple of things you want to think about um, when, when you're baking a loaf of bread, um, dry active yeast is fantastic. I think it's got a great flavor profile to it. Sometimes, you, you know, like, like, is it flight Fleischmann's uh, yeast yeah. that you can kind of get, which is great. A little packet. One thing you have to think about um, if it doesn't work out, if you're using that specifically, sometimes if you flip it over or if you've had in the pantry and you forgot about it for a year or two and you kind of pull it out, if the yeast is kind of like dead, then you're not going to get sort of like a big, you know, bubble. Yeah, thing. that's true. Um, but there's also like really great like products you can buy online. Like there's different companies that make fantastic baker's yeast and it comes in a big block, like a big block of industrial butter. Mm -hmm. And you can kind of chip away at it and kind of scale it out. But sometimes they just have like really dynamic flavors, that kind of yeasty, almost like a beer flavor to it. It smells like a oh, like yeah. you just cracked open a fresh Heineken. You hit the nail on the head, honestly. Fresh yeast is what I call it. Some people call it cake yeast. Uh, and I get it in, in these blue bricks, basically. I actually go to this Greek. <laughs> I live in Astoria in Queens. So I go to this Greek grocery store and like... <laughs> Every time I go in, they're like, who's this guy? Uh, but uh, but it is. It's like I it's like it's like a local, local spot, but I know they have fresh yeast in the back by the yogurt. It, like, I don't know why. They have and it's cheap, it's cheaper than what I get from my distributor for the bakery. Like it's like literally priced out cheaper per pound. And it's a it's a nice, beautiful block of fresh yeast that, like you said, Tyler, like you chip away. It, it, it to be honest, you got about two weeks to use it all. 
after two mm-hmm. weeks, it starts to kind of, uh, it starts to basically not become uh, as potent, but it is still usable. It'll become a little mushy, but within those two weeks, uh, you get a nice milky flavor. You get a nice, uh, like you said, that kind of beer yeasty flavor, um, a straight dough with, with fresh yeast uh, or baker's yeast is one of the best you could make. And a straight dough basically means a dough with uh, no pre-ferments or no uh, overnight ferments, like just straight up fresh yeast. You know, the focaccia I used to make for this Italian restaurant group was uh, straight fresh yeast, olive oil, sugar, flour, salt. They liked it. They liked a little too much salt. They, was, they were like 3% salt types, which is which is a little high. But I would mix it four hours later, shape it and bake it. And I was, I mean... With a little steam in the combi oven, these focaccias yep, are coming yep. out great. I mean, in four hours, just a little bit of, like you're saying, this baker's yeast, you can really make a solid loaf of bread, you know? So so focaccia dough is not pizza dough, right? So, and, and focaccia dough right now is like all over Instagram, like especially if it's like a super hydrated dough. Will you kind of talk about that for a second? And also, how many different ways can you flavor that? That is such a beautiful expression. I think people like to when they when they start to kind of get their fingers in it, kind of create the bubbles right the last yeah. second. It's yeah. very it's very TikTokable. Um, it's very TikTokable. It's very Instagrammable. Hey, I was doing focaccia focaccia dimpling videos since way before Reels and TikTok. All right, no, I'm just kidding, but <laughs> I'll tell you this. I'll tell you this. Um, there's there's several different types of focaccia. Uh, you know, I work from cats for cats from uh, Tuscany. I work uh, for cats from Rome, Naples. There's different ideas of what focaccia is. Some don't even have olive oil in the dough. Some have a lot of olive oil in the dough. Some have a little olive oil. Some have pre-ferments. Some don't. None of them have sourdough. I'll tell you that right now. Uh, a, a, yeah. a classic Italian focaccia is not naturally leavened, as they say. You might have a biga, which is a stiff yeasted pre-ferment. All right. So you take a little yeast, uh, you mix it with some flour and water, um, 50, 50% hydrated. So it's kind of stiff. Uh, and that keeps your interior more dense and moist. Like I personally think the best focaccias are very dense and moist, almost like, almost like the consistency of like, a. this is going to sound crazy, but I'm just going to say, but like a good banana bread, you know how it's just like mm-hmm. just melts in your mouth and it's dense and moist. That's to me how a real good focaccia is. Look, I love the open crumb, you know, new school, new level focaccias that people are pumping out where like, you you know, you cut it open and you can like see through the whole loaf because yeah. the holes are so big. Like I get yeah. it. it. And it, like it's the crispy kind of crunchier ones. Um but I think the, the the best type of focaccia is a more creamy, uh, heavily enriched with olive oil. Uh, hev- you know, it is still highly hydrated, but it's just that enrichment of sugar. And uh, sugar, what the sugar does is creates that golden sheen that you desire. It helps the crust caramelize and and get you that nice crispy uh, color. It's similar to like why a bagel would be boiled in in malt syrup, right? Like you want that sugar to kind of touch the dough. And so when it bakes, you get this beautiful little sheen on it. Well, that, and that's, a, there's other reasons why bagels are boiled, but, um, but yeah, so, you know, pizza, pizza dough being different again, pizza's made so many different styles, man. So, you know, Wells, as you know, Daniele has his uh, methodologies to make pizza. 
Um, and he's not, you know, he's from Naples, but he's not one of, there's people from Naples that will like, that get, they will get like heated about this. They'll get upset. Like, oh yeah. You know, I just came back from lunch from my homie's restaurant, Soto La Luna. They're from Naples and homie that makes the pizza is very by the book, like, you know, 900 degree, whatever it is, like, you know, all, all, all the rules have to be met. Um, so those specifications vary from region to region within Italy. And so to answer your question about how things might be trending on social media or, you know, focaccias and this kind of thing, like, you know, I consider myself, a maybe I'm like a new school baker, right? Like I'm, I'm just, I'm just a Honduran cat from New Orleans. Like, you know, I'm just baking what I bake. So when I bake a focaccia, I'm going to do something completely different than what an Italian might do. And someone next door might do something completely it's it's really hard to to create a uh, a playbook you know i think at this point in time we should all just be striving for deliciousness and we should all just be striving for uh, um things that just fit the criteria like the basics like texture is your texture on point is it delicious is a flavor on point that I think for me, I don't care if you use sourdough. I don't care if you use whole grain flour. I don't care if you use poolish. I don't care anymore. I just want to eat good. So that's mm-hmm. like, that's the level I'm at now when I'm analyzing someone else's like, I'll go to a restaurant, they put a focaccia down. Like, I'm not going to be like, oh, what, what flour did you eat? I'm just like, bro, is it delicious? <laughs> Does bro. it taste like focaccia? Is the texture on point? Then I'm yeah. happy. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm I'm hungry now. Uh, <laughs> Brian Ford, thank you so much for coming on Two Dudes in a Kitchen. You are awesome. Everyone out there, go listen to Flaky Biscuit Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. It's out there. Where can people find out more about you, man, and follow you on Instagram and TikTok? Because I do, your Instagrams are on point. <laughs> I'm I'm trying to keep up with the kiddos, man. It, yeah. it, it's funny how time flies. I used to be the you know, the young hip baker, but I don't, dude, I don't even know what's happened on there, but you can find me on Instagram, Arson Brian, trying to keep it OG, you know, trying to, trying to, you know, I've got a cookbook coming out my second one next year, New World Baking. Uh, you can find my first one, New World Sourdough, probably at any bookstore. Um, and you can check out my blog, uh, artisanbrian.com. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, hit a flaky biscuit. This is the new chapter. Wells Adams appears on an episode. Uh, I think that's, it's going to come out in like a month or so sometime. Thanks. So I'm, you know, I'm sure we'll be doing some more, uh, and maybe we got to get Tyler on man, Tyler, we might need, All to, day, might need man. to get that. Might, might need to get that nostalgic meal out you, man. I might need to ratatouille Ooh. you. <laughs> Let's go brother. Any day, man. Any day. Perfect. Thrilled. Perfect. Thank y'all yeah. for having me on. I really appreciate it. Good to see you, brother. Good to see you too. Y'all take care. Bean Dad, The Dress, 30 to 50 Feral Hogs. If you knew what any of those were, you spend too much time online. And hey, I do too. 16th Minute of Fame is a new weekly podcast hosted by me, Jamie Loftus, where every week I take a closer look at an internet character of the day. Who were they? What made them so notorious? Why did the internet choose them? And what does a person do when they're suddenly confronted with more attention than the human psyche can handle? I'll be talking to internet historians, experts, and yes, the main characters themselves to get a fuller picture. Because I think that even outside individual experiences, a character of the day tells us something about how the internet worked at that time and how the attention economy developed into the freaky three-headed dragon it is today. Together, we probably won't be able to properly log out, but we can take a walk down scary internet memory lane and see one day a little more clearly. 
Listen to 16th Minute of Fame on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, acclaimed comics writer and notorious Scott Summers hater, Rosie Knight. Well, hello, Emmy-winning podcaster and totally unbiased Targaryen royal supporter, Jason Concepcion. Rosie, somehow the X-Ray Vision podcast has returned. It feels so good. It does. And like always, we'll be here every week covering the wide world of TV, movies, comics, and geek culture. That's right. We'll be talking about Batman, heroes of that stature. And of course, we'll be inviting our friends in the industry to come geek out with us and share stories. We'll hear from TV writers, from actors, comics creators, pop culture critics, and more. Nothing is off the table because geek culture is pop culture. And we can't wait to share our love of it all with you every single week. Listen to X-Ray Vision on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C., We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Oh, man, he's just the best. He's the best, man. He's such an interesting guy and, and such a deep thinker, too. You know, I love his ability to kind of slow down, tell a good story. You can yeah. tell he's had so much experience. He's been around the block and he's got like this wealth of knowledge and he can just communicate. I mean, this he, he's beyond a baker. He's a storyteller. He's a great writer. His books are good. I'd never met the guy before, man, but I, like I got to get on Flaky Biscuit. Man. Yeah, you do. All right, guys. Thank you so much for listening to Two Dudes in the Kitchen. Um, we'll be back next week. Come hungry. See ya. All right, guys, thanks for listening. Follow us on Instagram at Two Dudes in a Kitchen. Make sure to write us a review and leave us five stars. <laughs> we'll take that. And we'll see you guys next time. See you next time. Bean Dad, The Dress, 30 to 50 Feral Hogs. If you knew what any of those were, you spend too much time online. And hey, I do too. 16th Minute of Fame is a new weekly podcast hosted by me, Jamie Loftus. And every week, we take a closer look at an internet character of the day. Who are they? What made them so notorious? How did the internet or the algorithm choose them? And what does a person do when they're suddenly confronted with more attention than the human psyche can handle? Listen to 16th Minute of Fame on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your hosts of TMI. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place 
for generations to come. Listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy, and I'm your host, Elliot Connie. Jay is the woman in this dynamic who is currently co-parenting two young boys with her former partner, David. David, he is a leader. He just don't want to leave me. But how do you lead a woman? How do you lead in a relationship? Like, what's the blueprint? David, you just asked the most important question. Listen to Family Therapy on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.